Would you please stand and face the procession? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all of our sin. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Let us pray. God of the covenant and our baptism, you call us to proclaim the coming of your kingdom. Grant us the courage you gave the apostles that we may faithfully witness to your love and peace in every circumstance of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated. A reading from Ezekiel. A voice said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, Mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. The word of the Lord. A reading from 2 Corinthians. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of the Lord.
the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joses, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Jesus called the twelve together, and he began to send them out. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Yesterday afternoon, although it had been a long time coming with the pandemic, we had our 2021 confirmation here where 20 young people stood up and affirmed their faith and took hold of the promises given to them at their baptism. Sometimes for confirmation, because it happens at different times during the church year, we sometimes choose the lessons for that day so the pastor can come up with something to preach about. We pick or move them around a little bit, but this year... We did nothing. The lessons we used for confirmation were the exact same lessons we're using today. Pentecost 6, lectionary 14, proper 9 in the Revised Common Lectionary, if you're following along. The exact lessons that were assigned for this weekend of the church year are the lessons that I used yesterday for confirmation. And what could be more perfect then on a day in which they affirm their baptism, that they get instructions from Jesus about how you're supposed to act and what you're supposed to do when you're out there. I mean, that is sort of what we meant to do to these young people yesterday. We had them stand up, say what they believe, and then we partnered with them as they headed out to live a life steeped in the faith that they now claimed as their own. Of course, we don't want them to just leave that is sometimes a problem with confirmation. I think people hear confirmation, they think 
graduation. Not the same. We want you to come back. But in some ways, it is a launching, a setting out on a new adventure of faith and discipleship. Now, back in the first century, when the disciples were ready to go, when they had completed their 21 sermon notes, their three years of education, and spent all their time acolyting that they could possibly spend, Jesus instructed them. He gave them some details about how they should comport themselves out in the world. And the time they receive this instruction, they're actually back home. All of the disciples, you may know, are from up in Nazareth, the northern part of the state of Israel, that lush area of farmland in the north near the Sea of Galilee. But here's a problem. When Jesus gets back home, many of the people don't think Jesus is anything special at all. I mean, they've known him since he was a kid. They saw him messing around as an acolyte, not paying attention in confirmation class. One day they even saw him on his cell phone playing a game when he was supposed to be listening to the sermon, if you can imagine that. So they don't really think that this kid is anything special at all. And because of that, according to the Gospel of Mark, Jesus himself the Son of God, has trouble doing much of anything for them. Isn't that strange? It's as if Jesus needs others' faith to help him perform miracles and do the work of the Messiah. Mark says he he couldn't do anything big for them. I mean, he, he healed a couple people on the side. He couldn't help himself. I mean, just a few minor scrapes that he fixed up. But, but the Son of God severely handicapped to do anything by the people he knew the best. Why? Because they didn't believe in him. Sometimes we have a lot more in us than other people realize. One of the benefits of a long-term ministry is that sometimes I run into confirmands that I may have confirmed 15 or 20 years ago And I have to say, I'm always amazed and delighted by the people they have become. I'm not sure I always saw it in them at 13 or 14, just saying. I'm not sure I saw exactly how the Spirit was going to turn out with this particular person. And yet the Spirit works in ways that sometimes we're not aware of. That Spirit sprouts and grows into a life of faith. Jesus doesn't seem too upset that the hometown folks won't receive him. He knows he is on his way to somewhere else, and he'll be moving on. But what he does think is that it's time for disciples to take up his message and share in his power. To do that, he gives them five different things that they need to do as they go out into the world. Number one, He called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two. I love this. Jesus does not ever send us out by ourselves. He sends us out together. Everything that Jesus asks us to do happens in community, with other people, not in isolation. His words to us, 
His love for us, His inbringing of the kingdom for us is always plural. In the sacrament of Holy Communion, which we will have later because we always have it here at church, we will say to you, the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. That is, just so we're clear, you plural. It is not you singular. Jesus says those words to the disciples, not to one disciple. It's the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ given and shed for y'all, or all y'all, bunches of you, not for one person. I can hardly bear it, and I hear it a lot these days, when I hear someone say something along the lines of, quote, I have decided to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I don't know what Jesus that is. Jesus is not, in fact, anyone's personal Lord and Savior. He's the Savior of the world, the whole world, the human race. We are saved as a group. I often make the joke that if you get to heaven and you're the only one there, you've taken the wrong escalator. Turn around immediately. Take the other escalator. Being alone and by yourself is what hell is. Being together in community is the very essence of heaven. We are sent out by Jesus together, not as individuals. Secondly, he also gives the disciples authority over the unclean spirits. Oh boy, here we go, huh? Jesus doesn't send us out without any gifts. He gives us power, the power over unclean spirits. I would simply call it the ability to destroy evil in our lives. And how do we do that? By listening to God's Word, by being together in community, by sharing Christ's love and Christ's ways, or in short, just being the church together. By joining together and learning and teaching about God's love, we in fact can diminish evil in this world, and Jesus says he gives us the power to do it. Number three, he tells the disciples that on this journey, they're to take nothing but a staff, that is not people, but a walking stick, a staff, no bread, no money in your belts, no bag. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples that God will in fact provide for you. I know that during this pandemic, as I talk to my pastoral colleagues, a lot of them were very worried about, oh my goodness, how is the church going to survive? How will we do it? I wasn't worried at all. We're the church. God in Christ has told us over and over again that we will have what we need. Yes, we need to plan ahead and let our members know our needs. We need to give them reasons to give and support the church. But I have no doubts that if we are on the journey with Christ, and all we have is a walking stick, no food, no suitcase, no wad of cash, we'll still be fine if we are with Christ. Number four, wear sandals, but don't put on two tunics. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you've left the place. I've always found this a weird instruction. Sandals, but just one tunic, and stay there until you leave. 
Isn't that sort of obvious? I mean, if you, if you left, you wouldn't be there anymore. You wouldn't be staying there, right? But I actually think that these two things are paired together for a good reason. Jesus wants them to travel lightly so they can move around, go from place to place, not be weighed down by too much stuff. But the two tunics mean something altogether different. In the first century, almost everyone had two tunics. One you wore during the day. The other one was more like an overcoat that you would put on if you were staying out, not in a home, to keep you warm as the desert air cooled overnight. By telling them not to take two tunics, what he's saying is I want you to be in people's homes, not outside in the cold. You don't need an overcoat. I want you to visit people intimately in their homes, around their tables, in their place. That's the kind of community that Christ is trying to forge. And then this one. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Does that sound, for those of you who remember, a little Monty Python-ish? I shake the dust off my feet in your general direction. Can't you sort of hear that in one of the Monty Python movies? I mean, I suppose, rather than shaking off their feet, Jesus could have given them, you know, one of these and a raspberry or something or some other cruder sign of derision. But he simply says, wipe your feet off and move on. Or maybe better, get over yourself and go to the next place. Often when I have visited Israel, we have a Palestinian guide whose name is Abu Hassan, and he has taken me to amazing places both in the state of Israel and in the West Bank. Abu Hassan, I've seen him do this many times, when he's done with the conversation or he's ready to move on, he goes like this. <laughs> Which means we're out of here, we're ready to go. And by the way, when you go to Israel, and I hope you all get there someday, you always get stuck in a gift shop because there are not only holy sites and shrines, there's a gift shop everywhere. In fact, usually you can't leave a holy, a holy place without going through the gift shop. And sometimes when Abu would come to round us up, he'd say, okay, we're leaving now. <laughs> and the shop owners would look at him like, they haven't bought anything yet. Yeah, they've spent all their money at the first place. Get over it, all right? If you have the love of Christ to share and people don't receive that love or that message, Jesus' counselors don't make a huge deal of it. Move on to the next place. Today, Jesus sends his disciples out with five simple instructions. Number one, go out together, always together. Take the power that I'm giving you. Travel lightly. Gather with people in their homes, not on the street. And if they don't accept you, move on. And of course, the Gospel of Mark then records what happened when they did what Jesus said. Quote, they went out and proclaimed that all should repent, which, where did Jesus tell them that? They proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. And they were just getting started. 
Do you see what can happen when together we do the work of the Lord? It's been a hard year this year in a lot of ways. It's been hard for everyone. Many of us still have the bumps and bruises from this pandemic. But God in Jesus Christ is still with us, and he wants us to be together. And he wants us to proclaim his good word, a word that can heal all people and that can also heal us. Like the Confirmands did yesterday afternoon, I hope that, that every day we can proclaim our faith and own it and trust it. And then that together we can help to shape the world around us, shape this world with the love of Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. 
I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We gather today to give you our thanks and praise for the freedom from want and oppression that so many of us enjoy. We gather with a new appreciation for simply being able to gather and for so many other things we used to take for granted. Lord, in your mercy. Our second president spoke of celebrating with pomp and parade bonfires and illuminations. But he also observed that it ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. Forgive us when we are too quick to rely on the riches and power of our nation has amassed instead of relying on our faith in the Creator who has given us those gifts. Forgive us when we fail to share the benefits of our liberty equally with others. Lord, in your mercy. Our nation's freedom has been won and preserved with the blood of patriots, but our freedom from sin and death has been won with your blood shed on Calvary, and we give you our eternal thanks for that precious gift. Lord, in your mercy. In recent weeks, we have been able to declare our independence from something more oppressive than any foreign king or colonial governor, from a tiny virus that brought sickness and death and taxed us with isolation and fear. We thank you for our newfound freedom from masks and quarantines and our freedom to once again gather and celebrate. Help us exercise our newfound freedom responsibly and grant us a measure of prudence to keep ourselves and those around us safe from the virus and variants that remain among us and would still do us physical harm. Like our nation's freedom, remind us that our freedom from COVID requires continuing vigilance and that we must stay ready to resume the fight to defend it from new risks every day. Lord, in your mercy. Remind us that there are still billions of your children around the world who are still dealing with the COVID pestilence. As you have helped us, equip us to help others with vaccines, tools, and the know-how to help others in far-flung parts of the globe to declare their independence from this plague. And in doing so, help us glorify you. Lord, in your mercy. Many among us suffer illness and affliction. We pray for all of them, that you would bring comfort and healing to them, especially to those we name aloud or in our hearts. We pray for their caregivers, 
that you would give them patience and strength to fulfill their difficult roles with love and compassion. Lord, in your mercy. God has blessed America. Lord, now work in our hearts to make America a blessing. Amen. You may be seated for some announcements. Welcome to those who are worshiping with us today. Welcome to visitors who are here. We also want to welcome those who are joining us online today. Hope you're having a safe, uh, restful 4th of July weekend. Last Sunday, I invited your prayers for a couple of our families at the church. Uh, Kurt Lindbergh uh, died this past Monday morning. Uh, Kurt was 99 and a half years old. We are waiting for a celebration of his life. Uh, his 100th birthday uh, would have been November 7th, so his family will be gathering at that time, and we also will plan a memorial service for uh, Kurt when his family is also in town, but that will not be till November. But continue to keep uh, his family in your prayers. I also invited your prayers for Andy Prakel, uh, who died suddenly. He's a member of our church council, has been in many leadership roles in our church. A funeral on Thanksgiving for his life will be held here on Saturday, July 10th at 11 a.m. Calling hours will also be here at the church from 3 to 5 and then 6 to 8 on Friday. More information is available on the TID Funeral Home website. I also think it's in the paper uh, today. For that family, we are preparing a meal following the worship service. Uh, Karen Lintela is going to be our point person on that. So if you can help out, either just sign up online or speak directly with Karen uh, to help. I know it's vacations, a lot of people are going a lot of different ways, but we certainly could use help with that meal on Saturday, which will follow uh, the worship service. This Tuesday, our new associate pastor gets here. Uh, he says he's going to be off in his office on Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. I think we should all be there to see, don't you think? <laughs> No, never do that to a pastor. Never, never, never do that to a poor pastor. But I am certainly glad he's traveling, I think, even today. Uh, driving, he and his family are driving up from Marietta, Flo uh, Marietta, Florida. Florida, Georgia, I don't know, it's down there somewhere. They're making their way this way. And uh, we look forward to greeting him. We're doing a card shower for him. That's in the front lo uh, lobby area here. So if you have a card of welcome, if you'd also like to give him a gift card to like Grader's ice cream that he could take me also, that would be nice, all right? But just words of welcome or something that's special in the area uh, would be a good way to welcome Pastor Tim uh, to our church. I think that's all the announcements. Uh, stay safe this holiday weekend. I know a lot of people are traveling. Please stay safe. And uh, other information about our church and our ministries that are all getting going again can be found in our weekly newsletter, The Peace Signs. We now continue our service of worship with the offering.
Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, God, our maker, redeemer, and healer, in the harmonious world of your creation, the plants and animals, the seas and stars were whole and well in your praise. When sin had scarred the world, you sent your Son to heal our ills and to form us again into one. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his acts of healing, his body given up, and his victory over death, we await that day when all the peoples of the earth will come to the river to enjoy the tree of life. Send your spirit upon us and upon this meal as grains of wheat scattered on the hillside become one bread. So let your church be gathered from the ends of the earth that all may be fed with the bread of life, your Son. Through him all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil.
For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. 